The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
that was founded on the Judeo-Christian ethic. Now, what's that mean? It simply means that our nation was founded on the values and principles embodied in the Ten Commandments. Our nation was founded on the moral values found in the teachings of Jesus Christ. As I have lived now, Many, many years. I have been completely confused, troubled. I've not understood what was happening because it all happened so gradually. As a child, I was raised in Colorado, Wyoming, and western Pennsylvania. In the first grade, we moved to Pennsylvania, and from then on, I was raised on a farm. And then at the age of 13, sent to a boarding school, a Christian boarding school for preparation for ministry. From there, I went to college. From there, I went to the university where I received my Master's of Divinity degree. And from there, I, with a wife and a child, began pastoring in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And after a year, took a congregation in western Pennsylvania, Putneyville, Clearfield, right on Route 80, Du Bois. And from there I came to Washington, D.C., to Georgetown. And I've watched through the years Now, after more than 40 years of ministry in this city of Washington, D.C., having been on the streets in Georgetown Street preaching, having been in different parts of Washington, D.C., downtown, serving inner-city children with tutoring, 
Sunday school programs, free medical clinics, actively involved in the community. It's out of that background I'm going to make the statement that I perceive as truth. America is crashing. And if America is crashing, you are crashing. Now, you may not feel it yet. You may not perceive it yet. But all of Western culture is under a desperate attack by Islam. But more than Islam, American and Western culture is under attack by hedonism and by every other wicked possibility. And because of the dry rot that has developed in America, in Germany, in Sweden, in England, the dry rot as the Christian church has been blown out, as the pastors have turned to success and money and business, the dry rot of secularism, the dry rot of modernity, the dry rot of sin has come in and taken over the Western nations. I was looking at the news today, a festival in Sweden where once more there Young women surrounded by Muslim men, sexually abused in the midst of a concert, a rape. People see it going on, but nobody says anything. When a people will not even guard its young women, when a people will murder its babies in the mama's womb, in a nation that destroys the family. Our Supreme Court has done everything it could do to destroy the basic building block of the family. The wickedness has reached the height of the White House. It should no longer be called the White House. It should be called the Sin House. The corrupt Sodom and Gomorrah house. For our nation has become a criminal enterprise. And as we have watched this, there is no rising up of moral indignation. And so the whole Western world is in the process of collapse. America was the world's last best hope for peace and justice. And now our FBI has proven that we live in a two or three or four or five tiered 
secular society where justice and law no longer matter if you have money and power and prestige. We are a criminal enterprise with the banks acting as thieves, the central bankers acting as as thieves, as criminals, manipulating the LIBOR, the FedEx, manipulating, going more and more in debt. As I look at all of this, my heart is deeply grieved to the point of weeping. Everyone seems content to have their Pokemon app and travel around and and find false demons. That's all Pokemons are. They're little Japanese demons. And now the hottest craze is the Pokemon app causing car accidents and trespassing on private property and disrespect for people's rights. I mean, I am absolutely astonished at what is happening and and everybody seems fat and dumb and happy as long as I have my beer and my food, as long as I have my little recreation, as long as I have my cell phone and my internet, as long as I can satisfy the wickedness of my heart, as long as I have a place to go to work and produce something and get some money so I can go enjoy my life. Don't you understand? It's all crashing. Now, I know Noah preached for 200 years, and no one would believe him that the day of collapse was coming. Those in the Roman Empire could not understand how the Mongols and how the Vistagoths and the... They didn't know how they could possibly come in and sweep away this powerful nation called Rome. They didn't. Rome collapsed because of Moral dry rot. Just as America is in the process of very quickly crashing. I'm not an economist, please. But I do hear from God. And I can tell you now, the housing market is going to collapse. Don't be buying a house right now. Wait, they'll be much cheaper very quickly. If you have a home and you're considering selling it, sell it quickly. The housing market is going to utterly collapse. We're on a downward spiral. Look at Venezuela. Do you think that they're somehow greater sinners than Americans? Standing in long lines with a central government? It's a setup by design. This is not accidentally happening. The destruction of family values was a plan put in place by progressives, eugenics, Planned Parenthood. It's not Planned Parenthood, it's eugenics. Simple Nazi eugenics to murder babies. Let's call things what they are. And in the midst of all of this, you have the caliphate rising out of Saudi Arabia, out of Iran. 
out of other powerful Muslim nations. They want to totally destroy Israel. They're not going to do it. They can't because God has his hand over Israel. I don't believe that they're going to be successful in destroying America either. I have in my heart an absolute assurance that there is going to be a proclamation of the gospel that will once more rock back the devil and his minions who have taken central stage on America, crashing our whole nation. Now, we're going to go through some very difficult times. We're going to go through some famine. People are going to starve to death in America. We're going to go through natural catastrophic destruction in America. But I believe America is going to respond once more to the call for revival, the call to repent. I pray that pastors, if you're listening to this broadcast and you know you're leading your church in a worldly way and you know you're compromising, stop it. Or the day will come as it came in China when the Christian churches rose up in rebellion against the wicked pastors who ruled over them and literally beat them physically and cast them out. And when the church got cleaned up and cleaned out, the gospel exploded in China. There are more Christians in China than in America. In Russia today, oh, we'd love to talk about how bad Putin is in Russia. Guess what? The Bible is read daily in Russian schools. They pray in Russian schools. In some ways, Russia has become more righteous than America in many ways. Now, please hear me clearly today. We're going to go into Romans, the eighth chapter. And I want to tell you very honestly, with great love in my heart, you need a high priest. You need someone who will stand between you and Almighty God, who will judge and cast into hell. You need a mighty high priest who has an offering before God that will make the difference between whether you're cast into hell or whether you are invited into that celestial city that John Bunyan speaks about so boldly. Now I welcome you to Pilgrim's Progress today. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. We're not very popular right now. We're just a small congregation. But I have to come and speak the unvarnished truth to you. That America is crashing. And the worst nightmare you can imagine is about to begin to unfold before your eyes. It started 2015 to accelerate. And through 2016... 
and into October of 2016 and into the fall, things are going to become explosive in America. Cities are going to burn. Murder will be rampant. It already is in many cities like Chicago. It's time to wake up. It's time to return to those moral values that were established in the Judeo-Christian ethic. It's time to return to the values of the Ten Commandments. It's time to return to the values of Jesus Christ, of loving your enemy, doing good to those who persecute you. It's time to return to a way of love that makes all the difference, while at the same time standing up boldly against those who would sin before God and say, stop, we will not tolerate this any longer. University in Cincinnati, Ohio, just in the news, is now making all employees and all new hires take a pledge of inclusion and diversity. What do they mean? You have to say, I agree with sexual uncleanness. I have to agree with every unclean thing being approved of in this university. And you're going to send your child at great expense to a university where they will learn utter ungodliness? I think back in my life, my father was a very godly man. As a child, I would get up early with my father. He was always sitting in his big chair early, early in the morning with his big Bible open on his lap. I used to go and crawl on my daddy's lap and he would open the word for me. He would begin to read me stories out of the scriptures. Those were the hours with my father on his lap, with the Bible, with my dad reading and praying for me that shaped my life. And then they thought it best to send me away at the age of 13 to go to a boarding school where I could learn how to be a pastor. And then to send me to a Christian college where I could learn how to be a pastor. And then to seminary, where I could learn how to be a pastor. May I tell you something? I learned many skills through my education. I learned how to study. I learned how to think. I learned how to communicate. I learned how to look like the world. I learned how to think like the world. (coughs) Andrews University was where I did my graduate study in Berrien Springs, Michigan. I receive always from them their alumni material. When I receive it, it makes me weep 
because no longer is Andrews University a conservative Christian college teaching Christian values. It is now liberal progressive, supportive of President Obama's agenda. It has become a wicked university. I would no more think of sending a young person to Andrews University than I would send them to a pit of iniquity. Why? Because they have the outward look of being Christian, but their inward, the guts of the university has dry rotted. They no longer have Christian values at the very heart of their university agenda. Well, that began when I was sent to a boarding school and when I was sent to college and university at Andrews. The battle was already raging then. And I found when I graduated that I was in total disharmony with my father's godliness because I bought into the wickedness of our modern, our modernity, our secular Christian viewpoint. And it took many years and it took many trials. It took the discipline of God on my life to turn me from that wickedness back to true holiness and an understanding of what John Wesley and his whole movement was about. I had totally left Wesleyanism. Oh, I don't mean the Methodist Church of today. It has become a a cesspool of secularism and worldliness, as have most of the churches in America. I don't single them out. They're simply one that breaks my heart because that's my heritage. Wesleyanism. Holiness. I don't know how to even really talk to you about all of this today. I don't know if I'm making any sense to you. But I tell you with all of my heart and with love overflowing that if we do not return to Jesus, all will be lost. If we continue down this road of secular humanism, in the church in America and in Western lands, the gospel will be extinguished from our nations. There is barely a flicker of the gospel remaining in America. Oh, you say there's a church on every street corner, Pastor. Yes, there is, but not not a true Christian church. A a mixture of Gnosticism and Christianity is on every street corner. A mixture of the sinning Christian and the lie of the modern church is there. And the entertainment and the business and the prosperity, that's all there. The very well-educated pastor with his doctorate or his masters of divinity, they're all standing up and shouting and, and preaching and teaching all of the lies of our culture. Oh, we're in trouble. Now you say, Pastor, you're preaching doom and gloom. No, I'm not. I'm preaching reality. It's time to return to Jesus. It's time to get serious and to put away our 
embarrassingly narcissistic love of our own lives. Let me put it more simply. It's time to stop being full of ourselves and be emptied out by repentance to be emptied out by self-sacrifice and giving of ourselves to Jesus Christ and allowing him to come and begin to do a new work of revival amongst us. Jesus said to the churches of Revelation, if you don't heed what I'm saying, I'm going to spit you out. I'm going to come and take the lampstand away from you. Already the lampstand has been removed from the Episcopal Church. Some Presbyterian churches. It's about to be totally removed from the Methodist denomination. In fact, I think it already has been. It's about to be removed from many Baptist churches, and it already has been. And when the lampstand is removed, there is no conviction of sin, and there is no sorrow for sin, and there is only secular humanism. There are only prosperity messages on how to make money and be successful, how to have so-called healthy relationships, seminars and workshops galore, Always learning, but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. Why do I say all of this today? Well, first, because it's true. Secondly, because if we don't have a sense of our great need, a great need for a high priest who will stand between us and Almighty God, Our situation is hopeless. We're not going to be able to stand before God with our church membership or with our kind acts. We're not going to be able to stand before God with anything of human nature and self. Our flesh will not be able to stand before God The only thing that can stand before God is a high priest who is willing to make intercession for us and who is willing to cover us with his blood, who is willing to remove the wickedness from our hearts, who is willing to bring a total change into our life. There's such pride and such arrogance and such self-centeredness It's even evident among those who hold hold to orthodox doctrine. They think their doctrine is going to save them while they can yell at their kids or yell at their wife or they can be so proud of what they know. Oh, my brother, my sister, it's time for, for weeping before God. It's time to recognize how full of ourselves we've been and empty out by the by the bucketfuls 
the sin of our heart. To repent before Almighty God and plead with him to send the high priest on our behalf. Hebrews, the seventh chapter, verse 24, 25. Therefore, he, that is Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. But what if you don't sense your need to come to him? What if you don't sense that you need Jesus? What if Jesus is just your mascot, your emotional, invisible friend? My brother, my sister, this is real. Don't comfort yourself with some ritual of the church or some celebration of some old Jewish holiday. Don't think because you're a Messianic Jew that you're any different. Don't don't think that you've got it all together when you have absolutely no clue of your true condition before God. If you don't sense a great driving hungering need for a high priest. You'll never repent of your sin. And you'll go to hell believing you're just fine. You'll never understand your true condition before God. Now the the message that I want to share with you today is that you have you have at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven one who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by man. We have such a high priest who will meet our need. But if you have no sense of your need of this high priest, how can you be saved? If you're just a religious person, you're a lost person. If you find comfort in just going to the house of God and sitting there and listening to the worldly entertainment that flows like candy over your heart, the sweet words of the sentimental, wicked music of today's church, and you think you're okay with God because you're there and you you put your tithe in the offering plate or you put your offering in the You think that you're okay when you leave the house of God and you feast on all the things of wickedness in this world, on the television and the entertainment, and and your focus is on your job and your family and your entertainment and your wonderful lifestyle because you're an American and you think you're saved? You're not saved. America is crashing. You'll crash with it. I have to tell you, as I sat in the prayer closet this morning, I said, Jesus, I don't know how to even, 
I don't know how to even talk about this with my brothers and sisters. I love you all, but I don't know how to talk to you about this. Frankly, it sounds like I'm crazy from a world point of view. I guess maybe I am. I'm crazy for Jesus. He's all my heart desires. How do I even talk to you in a way that will turn you to Jesus? Most of you listening to this broadcast have somehow been working hard maybe on your spiritual life and you've been trying to read the Bible and you've been trying to pray and you've been trying to improve yourself. You've been trying to do this and do that so you could feel better about yourself. All of that is utterly worthless before Jesus. Your flesh cannot make you righteous. The law cannot make you righteous. It is a supernatural act of God when you come before the Lord and you confess you are not able to make yourself righteous. Where you confess before him the depth of deprivation in your soul. And you confess before him your utter weakness and the impossibility. Now God can begin to do something in you. The Christian life is not a self-improvement process. It's not something you try. It's something you are. And when you give Jesus permission, he begins to take you into the desert place. He begins to strip away from you those things that are keeping you comfortable and happy walking in your sin. He begins to bring you into the boot camp of the of the school of the Holy Spirit. Yes, I meant what I said. The school of the Holy Spirit is a boot camp. It is a place of intense discipline. It is a place of tears. It is a place of utter change. As the Holy Spirit does his work to transform us. And make us into new creatures. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not you becoming a mechanic that adjusts here and there in your life to say, okay, now I'm good. No, you're not. I find in the eighth chapter the book of Romans, there is a new covenant. I want to read for you what this new covenant is. I'm going to begin reading for you in Hebrews, the eighth chapter, verse six. For the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one and is found on better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers 
when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he's made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and aging will soon disappear. What is the covenant that is disappearing? It is all of the Jewish ceremonies, all of the feast days, the Ten Commandments. It was simply meant for the Ten Commandments to lead us to Jesus, where we are made righteous, where we no longer sin. The law is only for those who sin. The new covenant makes a man righteous in reality. If it did not, God would have to turn aside again as he did in the old covenant and say this work that Jesus did on the cross is unsuccessful and cannot make a man righteous. We know that's not true. The first covenant was set up in what is called the tabernacle, chapter 9. There is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood, and so the blood of animals was shed in that tabernacle, and men were declared righteous, not made righteous. Now we come in the 8th chapter to verse 11. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is to say, not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but entered the most holy place once and for all, by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heifers were sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctifying them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience? from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant 
that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. The first covenant did not deliver from sin. It simply condemned the sinner. The new covenant actually delivers a man by the blood of Jesus from his sin. If you have not been delivered from your sin, you are not saved. If you are not delivered from your sin, you are not saved. To be saved means to be saved from your sin. See, the blood of Jesus Christ is not like the blood of bulls and goats. The blood of Jesus Christ does not declare us righteous. The blood of Jesus Christ makes us righteous. It changes us. It transforms us. It takes a drug addict and breaks the bondage of drugs and sets him free. It takes the prostitute and delivers her and washes her and makes her a virgin in Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ takes a man who is a drug-addled alcoholic and makes him sober. I sat yesterday at a coffee shop with a dear sister who seven years ago, I believe seven, eight years ago, was a drop down alcoholic she was a neighbor my wife and I saw her constantly drunk and then we saw Jesus come into her life my sweet wife was constantly ministering to this dear woman today she's the mother of beautiful children about to give birth to another A wonderful, wonderful Christian woman being led on a path of being made righteous. God has the power to deliver from alcoholism. God, by his mighty ministry through the blood of Jesus, can take away your lying spirit There's nothing that breaks my heart like someone I love who lies to me. That recently happened to me. I'm still reeling from the lies. I don't know how to even relate to this person anymore. What I'm saying to you is the blood of Jesus breaks the power of lies And puts truth in our mouth. The blood of Jesus Christ stops the lying spirit. The blood of Jesus Christ stops the stealing. Stops the envy and the jealousy. The blood of Jesus Christ has the power to take away the bitterness of your heart. The blood of Jesus Christ has the power 
to make you into a new creature, to take that spirit of malice and and deception, the spirit of Jesus Christ remodels you, renovates your mind and your body so that you now give glory to Jesus and you are transformed into his likeness. We must have these kinds of Christians today who are willing to look at their lives and say, I'm tired of this dead, legalistic religion. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the entertainment. I'm sick of of the foolishness of the modern church. And I'm going to pay whatever price I have to to go where I can hear a straight word from God and I can be renovated and changed and transformed into his likeness. And I'm going to be very bold. There are a few churches in the Washington metro area who preach like this. If you know of a place like that, go there quickly. Drive whatever distance you have to drive to get there. Get under that pastor. Listen to his words of wisdom as he prepares you for heaven. As the power of sin is broken from your life. If you don't know of a place like that, come to the National Prayer Chapel. Don't be satisfied with a lukewarm, half-worldly, half-Christian church. Run. Run for your life. I'm going to give you the address for the National Prayer Chapel. We rent space at 12 o'clock every Sunday from the All Saints Anglican Church. Let me tell you where it's located. It's 14851 Gideon Drive. 14851 Gideon Drive. Woodbridge, Virginia. 22192. We're not a shepherding church. I'm not the head of the church. Jesus Christ is our shepherd and he is the head of the National Prayer Chapel. But I am going to speak and teach and confront with love and compassion and call you to be serious. About Jesus. The National Prayer Chapel. Meets at All Saints Anglican Church. We rent space from them. Drive around to the backside in the parking lot. And you'll see a a large white sign. It'll say lower lobby. Come in that ground level double glass doors. And the worship center is immediately on your left. Do you need to come? Do you need a change? Do you need to get serious about Jesus? Then come. And experience something you've never before seen. Now we're out of time for today's broadcast. I'm going to pick up chapter 8 tomorrow. Let me pray for you. Lord, I ask for your mercy and your grace. I ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to come and convict those who have listened to this broadcast. I ask that you will put a great hunger in their heart for a high priest who will meet their need and 
bring them out of every bondage and set them free in a joyous, wonderful life with you, Jesus. I ask, Lord, that they would be willing to pay whatever price is necessary to leave their sin and to let you minister to their hearts. Lord, will you break the illusion of modern Christianity from those who are hungry for a true faith in you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You'll find videos. You'll find podcasts. In fact, you can subscribe and have it come straight to your iPhone or your Android. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you in Jesus. I hope to meet you soon. I'll talk to you tomorrow. With great joy.